Welcome to Magic the Flavoring, the Magic the Gathering podcast, where we talk about all things magic, flavor design, and lore. I'm your host, Andy Mann. Hello, it's Nathan Cancel. Fucking hell. Ten stories, bitches. Fucking hell. We asked for more stories, bitches. Jesus Christ. We got more stories. And other swear words and <laughs> curse words. Apologies to anyone who's offended by the first ten seconds of this podcast. Yeah, hello, good morning, wherever you are. March of the Machine. 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 Single one. Because all, all is one. All, all will be one, and it was one, and it ha- and it, it's now... I don't know. It's, it should have been called March of the Machines. Yeah. This... <laughs> I mean, straight. So this is the story review for March the Machine. Mm. Uh, we're doing the ten main episodes. Episodes, yeah. <laughs> oh, cool! I'm just taking a swipe or whatever they're called now. We're not doing the side stories. No. I have not read the side stories as of this point because I have a life and I'm a cool guy who does cool things. I'm not. I have read. Them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have, however, read all the the ten main stories. I did them all in one day. One. Eight hour day because I'm a bad reader. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's better. I, I I think we do this a lot because I I always keep up with it as we go because I find that I don't have t- I just, I can't fit I can't do a day of story of story reading so I kind of like slot it in and around. But it's really difficult with a big story like this because by the time you get to episode ten you look back and you go, where did where did will we we be one story finish? Where did this one? Because it does feel like it's just been one continual kind of story. Like, as much as there was, I know, a bit of a break, the way that spoilers and then set releases and then inevitably before you've even got to the set, the next set's already being spoiled, it has just felt like one long kind of arc and journey. Now, is that a bad thing? I don't think so. I think it, it does. It has made... I know they say they don't do blocks, but it's made All Will Be One into March of the Machine actually feel like a block. Yeah. In my mind. Yeah. I mean, story-wise, obviously, it helps when the narrative is literally leading in from Act 1 into Act 2, but... I mean, that has, even just as a whole spoiler season and everything, it has felt like one giant progression of Phyrexianization. Yeah. I really loved it. I mean, I, I, I sincerely loved it. I know what you mean in terms of, like, obviously there's set fatigue and there's, uh, you know, we, obviously we're just jumping straight into it, by the way. No preamble? That's no. Okay. No worries. Cool. Uh, <laughs> obviously, like, you know, there's set fatigue and product fatigue and, like, more and more and more. The, the second the stories were finished, they released the key art for March the Machine Aftermath, despite the fact... MOM hasn't even dropped yet as a mm-hmm. set, which is a bold move or whatever. Um, but I was actually describing someone who who's into Dungeon Dragons, but not as much into Magic, and they're starting to get into Magic. Was asked me about the story structures and like, oh, how like is this a free to access thing? So I said I was doing this whole day of reading stories, and I was describing to them like the whole history of how Magic story has been delineated out from like the old like you know. Uh, you know, Infinite Consortium books and Test of Metal mm-hmm. to the, you know, the Theros novels and then the e-books and all the different ways that they've released story in the past. And then when I was talking about this latest arc, because they knew uh, there was a Phyrexian arc, because this is where they're kind of onboarding onto magic, and I was talking about it, it was just really clear in my sort of sub-brain, like, this has been fucking awesome. Yeah. They've really smashed it out of the park. And to give K. Arsenal Rivera, who's back writing magic stories, so Chaos and Rivera, who did both uh, both halves of the Innistrad sort of like dual block, if you like. Mm-hmm. So that was ten stories total for them as well. And they did a new Capenna uh, side story. They've given them the full ten story arc. So they were, it was obviously a, a writer that they trust to write these kind of slightly mm-hmm. overarching things. Like, we, we're used to having five set, five stories for a main arc, and maybe eight at an absolute push, but to get ten? Double it. Ten? Yeah. Unreal. I mean, this is essentially an ebook. This is they've essentially gone here's an ebook, but we've released it free of charge and also in episode four, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's very important, I think, when you're going to do a, such a large sweeping totalitarian amount of characters as well. Like, you need the same voice throughout all of it. And I feel like if you're willing... I don't know, it feels much less disjointed because everyone doesn't have their own start and finish. Like, I imagine if you write it all as ten stories as you go, it's easy to chop up where each story kind of finishes. And yeah, there might be some kind of like, oh, I thought it felt like the story was going going to go on a little longer. Which I felt like that in a couple of these um, episodes. I feel like maybe they could have done with a little bit of uh, doctoring in terms of like how they, they, they finished them. Because I feel like this was clearly written as like one long piece. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, where do we put the breaks in? And some episodes going to go a little bit longer, some feel a little shorter. And you can kind of tell that with some of them. Um, but in general, like, yeah, I mean, tent, you had to. Like, there was so much going on. And I feel like it's one of the, the things that people have kind of criticised. And I've, seen, I've even seen it now. It's like, oh, it's kind of already over. It's already kind of finished. And, you know, like, if you've only been paying attention very recently yeah, like, what are you to, talking the, to the about? arc. Again, I was just about to say, like, when I was talking to this person about the latest arc, and they were like, so has it just been the past few sets? So I'm like, well, yeah, so it's been like, you know, Dominator United, and there was like one in the set before, and then mm. it was, you know... All be one, or no, Brothers War, all be one, much machine, much machine aftermath. But then I stopped and went, oh, but actually, oh, well, like a year and a half ago, there was Kaldheim and there was mm. Praetors there, and then, you know, blah, blah, blah. This story's been going on for ages. And, yeah. like, remember at Dominaria United, where people were like, the Phyrexians are already back, but it's only been one story. It's like, you do not pay attention. Yeah, You're not it's paying been, attention. It's been a while. I mean, I think the, uh, the counter argument to that is that people have been saying that. It's been 10 years of Phyrexian presence, but it's only been about a month of Phyrexian character development. That's kind of where I think, because obviously it's a, it's a similar thing, I think, with uh, Bolas, though, where you had all of these kind of bits and pieces going on in the background. Tarki was kind of wrapped into the Bolas arc and everything. And it was only like the last bit, like the last chunk, Amalkett going into um, War of the Spark and whatever. What came before War of the Spark? Which Ravnica set was it? The Return uh, to Return to it Ravnica. It was Guilds and... Uh, That's it, uh, Ravnica Allegiance. Ravnica yeah, Allegiance, yeah, yeah. And then, and then they did um, War of the Spark. So obviously War of the Spark and Amonkhet were kind of like the chunky bolus end bit, right? Um, which again, you could feel like, oh, well, this plan kind of just came together and disappeared really quickly. Well, it didn't. It yeah. didn't. There was a similar thing. Ixalan, there yeah. was things going on like in all different places. Exactly. Like, and also he had the benefit of having that um, core set that was surrounding him mm-hmm. in his backstory, right? So I exactly. get that. Fine, yeah, the Elder Dragon map. But I think, no, it's perfect. We've also already, I think people forget, because this has been such a good storyline, mm. and obviously everyone loves the, the Phyrexians, and with the new wave of Vorthos and the new wave of content creation, the Phyrexians have been getting sort of the credence that maybe they didn't bef- when the first Phyrexian sets came out. Like, Elish Norn is now obviously like a fucking... A sex icon, do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, you mummy know, people be, love, yeah. Mummy be dummy thick. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that is in no small part to the thirsty efforts of the magic community. But, mm-hmm. like, we have already done the Phyrexians. They're not a new big bad. We know what they're about. We've also, we've done the Predators before. It's not even just like, you know, Yorgamoth and now, like, Elish Norn's here. We've had these characters before. Mm. So it does involve a bit of digging. Now, I think it was it was just right. And also, it's not over. No. We've got Aftermath. Yeah. It doesn't leave off. Now, before I do the story, I mean, I haven't actually done a big story breakdown because just... Jesus Christ. I mean, I don't have three hours in a podcast. No. <laughs> I've done a very big overview of just what the whole narrative is. But last time Chaos and Rivera did a big story arc for the uh, Innistrads, we were very open about, like, we were had different thoughts about whether we liked them or not. And I seem to remember you weren't hugely fussed about their writing style. We don't necessarily slam writers because, you know, writing's hard. Unless your name's mm. Greg Weissman, in which case, fuck you, War of the Spark. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> we finally got a good War of the Spark in this storyline, anyway. Yeah. Um, but 
how are you feeling about Chaos and Rivera's writing, broadly speaking, in this time around? I think it's been very, very good. There's been yeah. a, there were some really lovely, like this is the thing again. If you give someone ten stories, they're not rushing through a million different plot points. Um, I feel like the problem with the Innistrad stories was just some. It felt like. I felt there was a lot of like compression and dilation. I felt like there were times of like really like really dense and in, in, important writing. Like the last, I think it was the last one where we kept switching between the different points of view where Soren's chasing Edgar and then he hits him with the the chair or something. Or something. <laughs> okay, so remembering that, okay, maybe might, might might not be the key point. But either way, um, give enough breadth to a uh, to a story, and you can do like a whole episode based on you know Chandra and Nissa's like you know cathartic reunions they ironically titled that particular episode like that's that's where this this um this writing like really shines because i mean actions there's only so many times you can have and the plane fought back bang bang you know like gideon whipping his surreal around kind of you know memes and there's only so much so many you can kind of like reiterate different action um whereas all the bits in between all the character development the really important stuff like every single one of the characters has been given like a really good bit of justice so it's i feel like the writing style has really done that and with 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 great success. Yeah, I think so. There are characters that kind of have uh, two seconds in the sun. There are mm. characters that really get fleshed out, and that, but it all works. Like we'll get into individual stories, but the fact that Liliana was absolutely there, mm-hmm. but wasn't necessarily present with like, and you can tell the you can tell that the writer has paid attention to past story beats and what they would likely... What the, what would Liliana do to react to, like, you know, hearing that Jace didn't come back? Yeah. The, that could have very easily been, like, thrown away and not paid attention yeah. to, but, but it's, it's been not... done in a way that you're like, oh, that's exactly how it should be. Yeah, but in the main storyline, she's not the... She's not the the character. Whereas it would have been so easy to be like, cool, it's Jason, Liliana, and they always reference Gideon, blah, 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 blah. But it's mm-hmm. like, no, the, the important characters got their time and the side characters were still given respect but not necessarily dwelled upon. Mm-hmm. So... Big overview, if you haven't read the stories, which in which case, why are you listening to this? But just so we're all like kind of aware of what sort of beat points we're talking about, the main story of the 10 episodes revolve around the Phyrexian planeswalkers invading their home planes and the resistance of those individual planes as peoples. Chandra, Ren, and a newly returned Angel Elspeth, which we'll talk a lot about this episode, lead the offensive against the Phyrexians on New Phyrexia, with Ren binding with Realmbreaker Tree, managing to return to Ferry and Zalfir to the multiverse and to the fight. Notably, the angels of New Capenna get a lot of uh, sort of showtime in these stories and are able to use the tree's portals to travel to different planes and support with their particularly potent anti-Phyrexian skill set, which we'll talk about, I think, because... There's a, there was a bit of a buried lead in the new Capenna stories that came full full circle around mm. here. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. I, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Uh, Elish Norn is finally defeated uh, due to a combination of the Planeswalker's attack, the newly returned of Salfir to the multiverse, infighting between the Praetors, mm. which they made the fucking mistake of doing during the battle. Yeah. Focus up, guys. Fucking old Jinkataxius. Poor, poor show from the Phyrexians. Uh, and also her own warped idea of what Phyrexia is. Like, mm. she showed her whole fucking ass there. Uh, and at the end of this particular narrative, the resolution before, obviously, Aftermath, Aftermath will be the proper sort of postscript to this story. But at the end of this narrative, we leave it with the Mirrens uh, finding a new home on a Zalfir that has returned to the multiverse. Uh, a new Phyrexia that is beyond the place of the multiverse. Presumably, like, Ren swaps yeah, Zalfir and new Phyrexia exactly. in their kind of space continuum. So they slipped, slipped in over each other. Did a little other. slip. 
uh, and a Khan is reformed uh, into Khan again uh, and uses spark magic to revive Nissa. <laughs> I mean, exactly what it is. Yeah, spark that was magic. real wibbly wobbly. Like, yeah. oh, oh, we can do this thing with sparks. Yeah, can pull, you? I'm gonna Good. pull them out of their chests and then put back again. Awesome. Yeah, Good great. Job. And my poop is gold. Uh, Ajani <laughs> and Nissa are revived from their phoresis by spark magic, and the planes are still pretty much in chaos at this point. Mm. But they're fighting back. Mm. You know, it, it's kind of the 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 Frexian threat has immediately been stopped, but the after effects of everyone being completely fucked up mm. are yet to be, uh, I guess, resolved. Yeah, we haven't yet got a full like, how's everybody doing? Yeah. Which is good. okay. So this this is it. And like, actually, if you think about it, I mean, obviously that was a very basic rundown. There's basically no... what happens. But it is basically what happens. <laughs> and if you look at stories like again, like War of the Spark, which. Do you know what? Maybe time will be kind to Greg Weissman because, like, you know, he... You're um, not going to be, that's no, for sure. <laughs> fucking ruined the thing I love. Um, but, but because of the amount of, you know, s- stuff that he had to do and all the new characters and then, like, you know, pressure from outside sources to make people not gay. Uh, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, right. fucking old Netflix. No no Netflix show is worth, like, watching those characters. Yeah, because which... that, that ended up coming out, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah exactly. Um... But I, I just wonder, like, that, that story, if we think about that as Big B, and we said the same thing for Domino United as well, there's so much going on that you think, how the fuck were they ever going to pull that off? This story is super simple. Phyrexians invade, people fight back, Elspeth gets longer hair and becomes an angel, Phyrexians get, like, defeated. Mm-hmm. But the fucking way that Chaos and Rivera writes it, and the pace in which she's like, action, 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 go, go, go. Like, you know, but having space for all these, like, smaller moments like we were talking about with Chandra and Nyssa or like, other characters. Like, you know, we have, we have fucking moments where you've got Nashi, like, um, Tamio's son, gets a whole shit ton of development, like, with the mother-son relationship in, in amongst an invasion war thing. Like, you think, how the fuck did she make space for that? Yeah. It's a simple story, and they kept it simple so that it could fill it with all this wonderful stuff. Mm-hmm. They don't need to have all these weird different like, you know, twists and turns and shit. It's it's on. The, mm. the, the invasion's happening. What are you going to fucking do to stop it? Yeah. And you have to consider so many because what I like is they basically start the story with Elish looking at all of the as they as she calls them evangel evangels 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 yeah. Evangels, there we go. That's the word. Um and kind of just goes, "Here are your individual assignments. Go." You know, and there, there, there are, you know, there are some that get probably a little bit better FaceTime. I mean, between these and the side stories, um, I feel like everyone apart from Jace kind of gets their, their, their moment. And I'm pretty sure Jace is going to be a pretty, pretty, pretty firm lead in Aftermath. Yes. Just for kind of like, cool, where the fuck what did he go? What was yeah, happening? Yeah, very little, like almost no mention of him, except Absolutely. for the fact that he's not there. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the moment where like Elish looks at him and goes, um, like kind of just gestures towards him and he goes, well, yeah, he knows what he has to do and slips away. And it's yeah. like... <laughs> having having a telepathic Phyrexian would have been really interesting. Um, I think there is definitely, and you raised it, there are definitely some very large hand-wavy moments, I feel like, here. Like, what if, the only thing I feel that did get a bit clunky is they're trying to wrap up everything kind of all at once. So they needed... F- for me, there were certain times where... I was like, okay, cool. This is wrapping up. This is this is linked in together. The Ren thing with 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 um connecting to Realmbreaker. That's all cool. And then it's like, and then she's like, yeah, we've got to find Teferi. I was like, yeah, of course, right. Teferi's still in this as well. And it's like, yeah. And then the angels have always been able to talk telepathically across planes. We're going to mount an assault back. I'm like, okay. And then there's that involved. I'm like, God, this really is like a multiversal. Fucking... I mean, obviously, it's supposed to be. Yes. It's supposed to feel like that. And it does kind of feel like everything's kind of all happening at once simultaneously at the same time because it is. Well, this, this is EDH the story. Isn't yeah, it? It really, it really is. <laughs> they've yeah. taken a bunch of EDH decks and they've gone. 
let's just tell the story of how fucking Krenko can hang out with Ishin, you know? <laughs> yeah, so originally it was Elder Dragon Highlander, and then we take Realm Breaker as the, as the word commander, and it just forced its way into yeah, every yeah, game yeah. through the fucking planes. Which is yeah. rad. I think, and I think this is, this is just high fan service, but in the right way. Mm. Now, something to be said on that is that all of the key art for this set leading up to it had very specific fight scenes where you had prominent members of the multiverse mm. fighting side by literal side. Oh, they absolutely weren't. They absolutely didn't do that. Yeah. And, and we're I, still not entirely sure, are we, about how everything's been set in terms of like, are the portals still open? No. Is there connection between? Obviously, Ren's not consciously alive anymore. No, but I did see a tweet, I think it was shared around a couple of times on social media, from one of the creative team that went, oh yeah, we had this idea. The narrative team said that they were going in a different way, but all the key art was already drawn up. So it's like, ah, I think there was a version of this story in which they had like a big mm. uh, end game, Marvel end game style like, And they team just up. weren't able to make it and work narratively. It work. I'm kind of glad they didn't go with that because obviously it was, there was from the get-go, this was very much a... If if War of the Spark wasn't the end game, then this is the end game. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. kind of feeling, and it, it kind of does. It didn't ever really feel like that. Thankfully, it did feel like there was this little different pockets of resistance all happening, and each plane tackled it differently. Um, yeah, I feel like there's that's, that's happened a lot recently in terms of there's a big disconnect between what we hear narratively and then what we see on the cards, and sometimes even like. Even card to card, sometimes things don't even seem to make sense. Obviously, we had the Luke the Luca debacle. There's been lots of the story the story spotlight cards never actually show up in the story like we still never actually yeah. really got to see how Nissa was completed no all we got is a little mention of oh she was the greatest gift the planeswalkers could have offered her yeah yeah and it's like oh so it wasn't even really within your plan to get Nissa you know I feel like my, my big overarching kind of complaint I think about this story arc, and I think it's a kind of a, an empty one because the alternative I don't think actually works is we still didn't really get much of a point of view of the Phyrexians no, we I got think a, a touch couple, at the beginning. Yeah, a couple of the stories had like Elish Elish, Norn, and then we yeah. had a little bit of a tracks when she's going through the stage trying to understand what the word beautiful is, which is this whole that's a whole genius idea anyway. Yeah. yeah. Apart from that, children immediately dead. Children immediately dead. Urubas doesn't really actually have any agency. He's got a rebellion, but do, he, do, get, he gets really fucking care. strapped to a chair and tortured. I think it's Iron Maiden. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Foreign Clex doesn't really do much. Gets one shotted by Elspeth right yes, at the end. Completely one shotted by Elspeth. Yeah. Like, yeah. Blue and white magic does over the green mage. Yeah. That's actually quite in flavour. Jin gets eaten by his own little what vat babies. Dick, like it was always going to happen. He is the star scream to uh, yeah. Elish Lord's Megatron, right? Right. He was yeah. always going to try to fuck her over, and because he is so smart. He absolutely saw that Elish Norn was gonna like was just doing her, it for her own shit. Yeah. But he was like, "Well, she is the most powerful one. Like, get on with it." Why did he pick the battle to fucking yeah. do her Why over? Why did he decide to ride this ridiculous? I'm just imagining this ridiculously garish, pimped out. Like he's probably got suspension, you know, that bounces oh, I up had and exactly down. The same thoughts. Yeah, big sort of like war rig. Yeah, like, exactly. You know. it reminded me, weirdly enough, of um, Pokemon Violet and Scarlet. You know, those big dumb fucking regavooms that they have at the end of each of the star bases. Why did you have to remind me of that? <laughs> right, the that's worst what I imagined. Thing, that yeah. And then he was like, "What I like is that when they were saying about it, it's like, <laughs> and then he oh, pressed. Oh. He's like, he gestured, and then all of these swords came out the side, and he gestured, and they started spinning, and yeah. he gestured, and they started throwing out." flying monkey grenades I was like yeah great good this is exactly it yeah, yeah. why smartest of the praetors do you not decide that was a good time to slip away yeah I still hold out that when they want to back when they want to backdoor this and bring him back and bring the Phyrexians back again Jin wasn't fully eaten by his own babies and he's stuck in this little pocket of, out of all of them if anyone's going to find out how to get out of this weird pocket space with all the research he's done it would be Jin do you think he's just going to come back as like a head in a jar kind of thing I would I, I wouldn't mind that I'd the thing is that's the side of Phyrexia I really liked this, this version and this is going to be interesting right 
because now essentially we're talking about there being a third version of Phyrexia down the line. Yeah. So we had the original from Yorgmoth, which obviously Shoulder tried to kind of like still hearken to, and then we had like the multi sun version, which ended up being that white is actually probably the most dominant in terms of you know that all will be one idea and thematic yeah. exactly. So the next version of Phyrexia. It'd be nice, It would because this is the thing that annoys me, is we didn't really get to see each shade of Phyrexia from the point of view of each Praetor. We didn't get to see Shouldred fight. Imagine like seeing a, a point of view of Shouldred where she's batting against all of the other Thanes, and just as she thinks she's conquered them all, that's when Ajani and uh, Luca jump in and grab her and take her to where she gets beheaded. And you have this almost like tragic arc for her. Yeah. We don't get any of that. So, let's talk Elspeth. Yes. Yeah? Angel. Angel, right. So, what happens? Because... So obviously she's built up to be an, to name an angel. She's from Nukapenna. The yeah. Nukapenna name angels are really weird. They're made up of this kind of anti-Phyrexian halo. Yes. Which, uh, so we had a bit of a technical blip there as we're talking that technical blip. We're saying that might be the payoff for the Jace getting stabbed in the chest yeah. with the halo sword. Yeah, exactly. Because he then, we don't see him in this story at all. He gets stabbed with the halo sword. Everyone's like, well, nothing happened from it. It's like, yeah, but we yeah. still haven't seen him since then. So the there's a good chance there's a payoff. Yeah, the angels of Nukapenna are very different to other angels. But then... The way that Elspeth gets turned into an angel, and they backdoor it because obviously planeswalkers can't be angels. Angels can't be planeswalkers because they don't have a spark. Mm. But a planeswalker who becomes an angel mm. is a different matter. So, what does so Sarah's there, or at least a representation of Sarah? Yeah, and Elspeth imprint. is not in the multiverse because the Silex blast takes her into like or a different space in the multiverse. Yeah, the way I put this in the same vein as where Squee goes when he ends up talking to Fate. Ooh, okay. Do you think that you think that there's this kind of like if the multiverse is reality, there's like a non. There's like yeah. Case. So imagine like the spirit realm for like um, Marvel universe. You know, like each each faith has its own like spirit realm kind of thing, and they're all kind of linked, but they're all separate. You know, right, I feel like okay. it's, it's, there's a little bit of that. I feel like of where if you can make if an entire plane can believe enough to make. Um, gods exist just because of Nyx. Sure. Now Nyx, you can't. Can you play? You can't planeswalk directly to Nyx. Yeah. You have to go th- to Nyx through. So I th- there's got to be some aspect of like just because there's this metaphysical like you've like, real world you know like kind of hard factual I can feel it thing. There's got to be like almost like a subverse you know whether it be a spirit version or a psychological version like the same kind of thing of where. Jace's mind places that he makes up, are those their own actual mini kind of universes Pocket that kind universes, of exist? Yeah. Because you get a little bit of that at the end of, um, like, you'll, you'll find out when you read the Raska side story, <laughs> get a little bit of that. So there's a few different places that are like this, similar to, again, to Fairy and Urza, yeah. when they're having that conversation outside of time. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's got their, they have to kind of go, like, just because you're not on a plane doesn't mean you're in the Blind Eternities. Oh, okay, that's a cool idea. And this is clearly, she went beyond, and he said this at the end of the, um, at the, end of, the ep- of the last story, like, she got pushed through to beyond the blind eternities mm. and I feel like this a lot of it will probably be that she was probably in that same state that Urza was in of where he's non, non-compor- she's non-corporeal anymore like she doesn't have a human like a physical body but her essence because of all of the growing up in Nukapenna having all of the different sigils and auras and everything placed upon her in Bant um, and then having where else did she go um, and then going to Theros and having that idea of devotion like she's kind of been in and around this idea of being believed in you know mm. as a god or as a deity kind of thing and similar to how Sarah was but it's interesting that then Sarah then was able to go well we will allow you to transcend you know you have always had this kind of potential yeah. within you but it's for you to claim it so, That's cool. So has it always been, has the seed always been there from the beginning? Probably, but did it require a nurturing? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 
it's almost it's almost like the multiverse created a be um, like a a mortal being as opposed to a, an angel. Obviously, mm. angels and different planes can be killed, but like because angels are very detached usually in different planes and things. They're usually sort of very othered. And there is an aspect of that characterization in Elspeth where all the characters around her go. It's definitely Elspeth, but it's Elspeth like angel fight, right? So she's kind of she's very calm during battle. She doesn't seem to have a lot of like direct empathy, although they do, especially with Koth. Like they have a conversation between Elspeth and Koth where she like very directly goes, "Look, I am still your friend, mm-hmm. and I will still always be there for you." But I'm this kind of angel now, so yeah, she, like she's different now. No, I'm different now. So like mm. they don't necessarily completely kill her character or her connections, which is a very smart move because that would be really, I think, um, sort of a disservice to the character because she's all about connection and she's all about like camaraderie. But yeah, it's almost like the multiverse. They've been building up this idea that the Capen- like I like the idea that the Capenan angels. The reason New Capenna is actually much more interesting as a plane, and maybe it was a bit sad that it only got one set. Is that it's a uh, a plane built on excess and avarice, and you know this um, consuming halo and this kind of bastardization of oh, pardon me of like this holy gift, right? And the fact that all the heads of the families made deals with demons, and the demons play a little bit of a part in um, the storyline of the defense of New Capenna as well. We get mm. to see them kind of come back, but actually Capenna, maybe ancient Capenna was like the most holy place in the multiverse, like potentially, because mm. the angels there are so unbelievably powerful, and they don't even have physical form, potentially. Mm. So there's this mortal being who was born in New Capenna, who had the capability to become an angel, and already has that kind of head start being from what is potentially one of the most holy planes on the, in the multiverse. And then she goes to all these other places where that's like a huge deal, <laughs> and then she gets built up. Like, I just, I like this idea that she was always going to be the saviour, and that we didn't need to focus on her for the entirety of her time in Magic Story, but when she's needed, she's needed. Mm. Um, and I, arguably, I don't want to keep pissing off people like Jason Gideon fans and Chandra fans, she's arguably the biggest face in the entire game. I'd say so now. I mean, you've got Kaya and Chandra. I mean, Chandra and Elspeth, I'd say, are probably the two two highest up there at the moment. Tyvar's coming in leaps and bounds, but... Oh, Tyvar's great in his Tyvar's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's lots to talk about Elspeth. And I love the fact that she's come back and she's got oh, she's got this kind of battle lightning angel aesthetic. Mm. She's got God's End back as her sword, as yeah. opposed to, say, the Shadow Spear or the Halo Sword, whatever it's called. I believe your... it probably isn't actually God's End. It's just probably whatever she fancied to, like, as a combination of all of it, kind of as one. Because it's a sword, but you see in the art, it's got this big, long, double-like Zweihander like handle. Yeah, it's like a, like a broadsword. And then, but she can extend it to Spear light through people yeah. like she spears light through El- uh, Elish Norn and all this kind of stuff she doesn't <laughs> kill Elish Norn Khan no, kills Elish Khan Norn Khan kills Elish yeah well one what 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 well let's take a wind back on the, on the other thing one, one thing I, I think was really interesting with her journey was that we got to see her choose where to intervene yeah that was a big thing Sarah was like we can only bring you back in one place yeah. and you'll only have time to save one place because story by story you get a couple of them that have a similar thing to um, the Dominary United stories of where Teferi's kind of like just creeping in on different moments of history yeah, and just yeah. seeing just seeing how it is and you know and it's the same similar thing of where they had to kind of go through the different places and she had to say right so she got a glimpse of a journey on Theros and like a very clear like this is where I should probably be intervening. Look, it's, yeah. it's my journey, my friend, and it's like, well, no, actually, I can't help here. Like as much as I might, if it, even if I try and save save a journey, I'm not saving. I'm killing him, and then I'm not saving anything else. Then she goes to Nuka Penn and, and 
looks and goes, well, they've got the angels. Luca Penna can save themselves. Where is it that I'm needing? It's the moment is actually like shock horror at the climax of the story where we are right now, which is where <laughs> Ginger Taxius is about to like kill Koth or something like that. I can't remember who he's who he's swiping at. And then out of nowhere, elsewhere goes, this will be where I choose to just deus ex blip into existence. And then Elish Norn quite literally shits herself. Yeah, yeah. Which is really, really good. What, yeah, I, like, yeah, what yeah. I like about the story is it's the infallibility of the Phyrexians. And it's something that I think... Every all of the Phyrexians noticed from the get go. Shouldred was undermining, and then um, Erebrus had the, his rebellion. Vorinclex is too dumb to realize, and Jintaxis from the get go was never on side with her. Yeah, so it's quite nice to see the infallibility of. And I think this is where it comes down to: is Ashiok the unexpected savior of the multiverse? Oh, because he's the well, he's they're, the one, they're who, the one who um, plants the seed. Yeah, of fear into Elish Ashiok North. put 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 the fear of of God deaths into her. And and it worked yeah. because there was literally a moment of random bullshit go where she's like it says that she's chucking like random like centurions and a bit rocks, of Orinclex's yeah. horn like it's just, she's just yanked off a bit of Orinclex's horn and just lobbed it at her like it's so funny how the blind rage of you know white protagonist versus white antagonist really just went 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 ham. Um, but yeah, yeah it's white v white, isn't it? Yeah, yeah very yeah. cool. And yeah, it was good that Khan got to be the one to kind of end things. Um, like there was a real, there's a really good bit of oh, one second. Yeah, the the. I mean, I'll let you read the passage because I think I know which one it is. But yeah, there's a thing where Khan Khan was very much leading, looking to be the protag of this story arc because yeah. he was the one who kind of rediscovered the Phyrexian invasion and shit, and then very quickly just got literally dismantled. Yeah, and you're like, oh fuck. Oh shit! Sorry, Khan. Uh, you are tragic and pathetic, and mm. your story will never have a happy ending. Yeah, but, he's, yeah. he's just for, yeah, he's just just yeah, disassembled. Also, it's interesting that I never knew he could just build himself a new body. I'm like, well, of course he can. He can construct metal out of Why nowhere. Why didn't he do that ages ago? Yeah. He was just floating around on a table, being yeah. like laughed at by Tezzeret. There's lots of like you can't if you can't give it, don't question it because there wasn't enough time to explain it kind of things. So you just have to go, because my biggest, my biggest question of this uh, arc was how are the Mirrodins still, al- how are the Mirrodins still alive? Like, yeah. how is Koth still alive? Like, it's been, like, I just don't, every single situation, it's, it reminds me of the scene in Game of Thrones, um, of the, that episode where no one can see because it's too dark, of where every single character looks like they're being swarmed by 20 White Walkers, then suddenly in the next scene, they're fine again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're, they're fine again. Anyway, that's a, that's a side note. Uh, yeah, there is a thing where, like, it's all we've seen of the Mir- Mirrors is that they've been under constant pressure, and yet there's still, like, always about 20 of them knocking around. Right, there we go. So, in destruction, there can only be solitude. He hates it. As his magic works on Norn's body, tearing porcelain from wire, he is filled with an animal revulsion. He wants to look away. He wants to stop. Violence, even in the service of a greater good, should never be easily wrought. Like, he's such a great, placid, fair... Yeah. Yeah. Even in his moment of, like, he's, like, plodding along back to me. He's like, basically, <coughs> I have to be the one to do this. I could, like, I could leave her. She could... But if if I leave her, she could come back. This has to be stopped. And even though he knows... Like, I've never known him to be so much of a pacifist. I think that's probably why he takes that side line in what should be his great, like, arc. is because he is just such a pacifist. And that kind of was his problem. That was the thing he had to get over. He actually had to serve an action. And yeah. even in the end, his actions now, because he's spoilers um, not a planeswalker anymore yeah because he's given up his spark to cure Ajani's and Nissa's I think that's kind of good I feel like he's you've taken a character 
and you've kind of done. I mean, I think he might have even had more humanization back in the old books. I don't know. I haven't read them, but this, it, he always felt like this kind of like this this character, like it's fish out of water mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. feeling. And yes, all of this was his fault. Everything from our, you know the beginnings of Argentum to like the madness of Memnarch and all of that, which is now now a tragic backstory for a character trying to deal with the initial like Phyrexianization of his plane. Yeah, we get like through the guise of Tamio. Tamio in her like sort of story in this this episode has uh, one of her scrolls tells the tale of Memnarch because mm. she's telling it to the um, tree on Kamigawa as yeah. like a way to kind of get it on side in a kind of weird way. But, you know, we'll talk about Tamiya in a second, I think, because that yeah. was an interesting one. Yeah, so it's almost like, again, it's another massive arc when people say on the fraction things went over quite quick. Like, this has been going on since Mirrodin. Yeah. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about Tamiya then. Mm, poor girl. So, obviously lots of Frexionized planeswalkers. The, we see in the very first story when, as we were saying earlier, Elish gives them their, their remits to go. Mm. Almost all of them have some sort of moment where Elish is like, maybe we haven't completed these guys as much as we think, which yeah. is really good. Because although the previous stories definitely called for it to be like an all-encompassing, no, these are Phyrexian planeswalkers, they're still the same characters, they did a good job of showing, no, it is Tamiya, it is Ajani, mm. now they're just seeing things from the point of view of Phyrexia. I think it is nice to, at this point, when there's a quiet moment where they're not necessarily fighting anyone, in the moment where they're being given their jobs, where each one of them, when they're finally told, hey, go and fuck your own plane up, and they all go, but, huh, what? It's, really? Like, Tamiyo kind of lingers a bit too long, Ajani's maybe a little bit too smart. Ajani's side-eyeing as well, because he's side-eyeing, like, knowing knowing the questions that are being asked of other people, of, of, like, then what to ask themselves. Luca basically just goes... Yeah, I'm gonna conquer the plane, and then she goes, "Yes, I know you're going to. How are you going yeah. to do it?" But like, in like, I th- that's an interesting one because she, when he says, "I'm going to use the monsters against Ikoria," and she's like, in her own mind, she, Chaos and Rivera writes her saying, "Why don't, aren't the humans already cowtowed by the monsters of Ikoria?" It's like she doesn't. She has such a lack of understanding mm. of how you know, fleshy people are able to withstand their surroundings. It's like it's a really good little story beat, actually. Mm. Um, but yeah, so Tamio goes back to her home plane. She has that little blip of like, oh, I don't necessarily. Maybe Phyrexian Tamio doesn't want to like complete her own like like plane. She gets on with it, and then we have uh, her uh, uh, Nazumi son Nashi's kind of in the fray. Kaito is there with Nashi. They're climbing Poseidon the World Tree to get to Tamio. Nashi tries to reach out with her, uh, out to her as a son does to a mum. In a very, that's a very sort of tropey thing, but it's good for this storyline of like you know the the child going like, "Mum, do you remember me?" And then like she gets all Phyrexian on his mm. ass. But there is a moment where, with Tamio's defeat at the hands of the Wanderer, where it seems very clear to all the characters concerned that Tamio basically let herself be destroyed. Mm-hmm. And we have that iron bound scroll that has been there all the time. And people are like, "What is this like spell? What's this magic?" In the Emrakul storyline over Shadows, people were like, oh, okay, it's like the most ultimate spell in the like, the universe, this, that, and the other. And it turns out, something very simple, it's the essence of Tamiyo herself mm. in Kamigawan, like, kanji magic, if you like. If exactly, you yeah. That. It's like an imprint of her memory. Yeah, so we now have Tamiyo back in a way where she's basically in a, a magical floating version of herself. She's an enchantment creature. She's an enchantment creature. She is now essentially uh, a kami, right? Yeah. So that's kind of cool. And it's it's a really nice end. Because people... I don't want to keep battering on people that were babies about this. Because we've done every episode that we've recorded since it happened. But people really flipped their shit when Planeswalkers got completed. And mm-hmm. didn't handle it in the most graceful of way. Yeah. <laughs> Characters need to be able to die, right? Or whatever. But this way we do get to have our cake and eat it. 
At the end, she was a Phyrexian general, she did fuck up Kamigawa, but Tamiyo was still in there and, like, subconsciously had a way to bring herself back. Yeah. Cool. She sorted her own shit out. She didn't need wibbly-wobbly spark magic. No. Though I guess, kind of, technically, she did just to stay alive. Like, she's like, hey, I'm now a story. Yeah, she is a story herself. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the things that was, was was kind of nice is that there was also this build-up of, like, oh, what are these big scrolls? Are we going to get, like, a massive payoff about them? And I don't think we really do beyond just... They're destructive. They're they're they're, they're usually yeah. stories about construction or deconstruction of civilizations and that kind of thing. And that's all she has to do is basically sit there and start reading about the construction and think about it in the opposite way. Yeah, yeah. And then everything just everything started rupturing. At the end of that story, we get another because those those paragraphs where it's the scrolls are it, formatted differently to the rest of the story, so you can make them out. Mm. She tells a story of a hero in white saving the multiverse. Which we presume Elspeth. is about to be at Elspeth. Yeah. Is, was that Tamiyo as a Phyrexian predicting the end of Phyrexia? Or was that like No, a... I think this is probably a story. This is the, the, the line that before it goes to it probably jump, jumps to the end of like. So all of the arc has already finished yeah. by the time that this story is being told. That's what the break's like. There is a story, and then it's for us, it's just a hint. Oh, it's you know, like it's a little foreshadowing for yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But in in real world, that wasn't written until afterwards. Oh, so this is this is Cami Magic Tamio writing that story. Yeah, exactly. Ah, probably afterwards. And then we cool. just get a little slip of it. Because this is where they keep doing... This is where I reckon they wrote the whole story as one, and then to make... To chop it up and they go, right, so the big, big thing is going to be Elspeth coming back. So let's do a little bit of a hint at Elspeth being there at the end of this story. Yeah. That Elspeth's at the end of this, this story. So as 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 the dum-dum readers, we, we get to the end of every story and go, oh yeah, because Elspeth's coming back. Yeah, yeah. And then the whole build-up of this arc is just, oh, because Elspeth's coming back. Right, yeah. cool, 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 cool. And to be fair, the payoff's pretty bloody good. Yeah, I like, it. I'm quite happy. The thing, that, the, thing, the thing that kind of annoys me a little bit was, that's that's the thing that kind of rubbed me, is when like, with this big, big build-up for Elspeth coming back, just for it to be like, but also Teferi's coming back with Alpha. Yes. And then, oh, but we've also got that. And that's where the, but we've also got kind of things kind of maybe ran out. I mean, it, that's, it would have taken the whole, it's going to take the whole multiverse to do it, right? Yeah. So speaking on the similar thing, we've just spoken about Elspeth. Ren. Let's talk about Ren. Holy fucking shit. They really ran with this character, didn't they? Right? Like, from random, broken, 100-pound, two-drop planeswalker <laughs> with absolutely zero backstory yeah. that no one... Everyone was like... It was weird, dry, the mech thing. What do you mean, seven? Yeah. Or, or six? Red it was red and six. six. Like, what yeah. the fuck do you mean, red and six? Yeah. From there, we've gone to... Imagine, imagine a three-year's time where we've got this amount of, of detailed backstory for Grist. Yeah. Oh yeah, because sure, that's yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. incredible, right? So yeah, like unbelievable. Like the so basic basic arc is um, Ren and Ren's the only one who listens to Shana and says yes, you've got to burn this at the root, which is really nice. Which is nice for a character that we all think is quite sage. I mean, she comes across very immature sometimes. Ren, I think it's just in terms of because they're a dryad and they don't necessarily communicate in human terms. It's easy to think of them as being less developed. You know, maybe less mature. I don't know what the I word is. I think is. it's more like they're more naive. To... That's it. It's the naivety, yeah, yeah. exactly, because they don't understand like the con, uh, the um, standard. Uh, what's it called? Bloody, um, um, what's the human behaviour? They don't understand human behaviour. Yeah, sure. Um, can't there's a word. I'm trying to think. I can't think of it. So yeah, they come across sometimes as feeling a little bit like not not like in tune or anything. Or I think something like that. Whereas she's the only one who really kind of backs Chandra, which I liked. Just to touch on that, because actually, as someone who's not the biggest like Chandra stan, I think she's a fine character. We I've discussed in previous podcasts. 
she at that in those moments I was just like, oh fucking classic Chandra. Like, no, we've got to do the thing. And she even knows it in herself. She's like, everyone just thinks I'm being like impetuous and like impulsive and a bit of this, that, and the other. And obviously us as the audience know what happened on Brexit. Mm. And it's like, guess what, Fire Girl? You ain't gonna fucking solve it with your fucking sparks and shit. Just yeah. calm the fuck down, grow up. This is a fucking Frexium. And actually, I liked the story beat when Red and Seven comes up to her and goes, no, I think it's true. Because <laughs> I kind of respect Ren as a character, especially from her time in Teferi and Tangles. Mm. So I was like, oh, okay. All right, let's see where this goes. And fucking lo and behold, Chandra was right. Yep. They should have. They just, they just, they failed, but it doesn't mean that they couldn't try again. And it actually is a payoff mm. for Chandra's like character because often she ends herself getting in trouble and it's like oh Chandra bloody bloody blah and like people like me like wag our finger at her so yeah I liked that I guess there's a question as to why wasn't this thought of in the, I mean I know it's the Hail, Hail Mary but if you've got if you know they're building a big giant tree yeah and you've got someone who can connect to trees yeah and you you know they're building a big giant tree made of metal. What does well, metal? What does metal and trees do? They both burn and melt, right? So oh, you don't why take you your fire mage why on? didn't you bring your fire mage and why didn't bring your tree mage when you brought the other tree mage? Well, did, so now did did they know about Groundbreaker or was it something they discovered? yeah? Because that's the reason why they needed to go to the sea core to block the no, silence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, so it's one of those yeah. kinds of situations of like okay, I get they needed to have the the first party go in and they fail. Yeah. You know, we take all of these ten planeswalkers and fuck, five of them have been Phyraxianized. Holy yeah. shit, that's bad, isn't it? It's like, yeah. And then we're like, cool, we're going to send back to the, the two fire mages. I mean, the thing I did really like is that they do have a bond because of that similarity of like, well, of course, well, they both got fire. I'm like, yeah, well, that's what connects them. That's yeah. what I was like to communicate. That's why that Ren sees beyond the stompy, I'm angry kind of thing and sees more into like, oh, okay, I can see where you're coming from. You're just not expressing it effectively. Yeah. You know, there was a be- there was definitely a moment between Chandra and Liliana of where Chandra just says the wrong thing. And it's like, if someone else had said it, then maybe it would have gone better. I think it's why Teferi and Ren get along so well is because they both have this very measured way of 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 taking stock of things before communicating, which a lot of characters don't do, which then gives a little bit more credence to their communication because you can tell both parties are actually fully invested and understanding of each yeah, other. Yeah. Um. But Ren basically. So I want to talk, and this is one of the things we've got to we've got to the part of the story where weird metaphysical shit starts happening. <laughs> the whole how she describes connecting with Realmbreaker and how there's like this little tiny voice, this little like, and it's a him, and he and he's and he's all the way nestled in there, and he's got she's got to use her fire to protect the little acorn from all of the oil that's kind of coming, and then the two of them kind of almost like unsheds the Phyrexianization of themselves yeah, yeah. and the way she kind of has to like uh, and then when she finally connects to Zalfir because it's even funny where she, she says something along the lines of well we're trying to find like she's like I'm going to close my eyes because I can't find something that's unfindable if I'm trying to see it yeah and it's almost like you have to like kind of slip out of like out of, out of thinking to be able to think the thing that's unthinkable yeah. and they finally find it and for Zalfir it's almost like she blips in talks to Teferi blips out and then it's been like maybe like an hour and then yeah. she blips out it's been like a day and yeah. she blips out it's been like a week and she like she goes oh so it's just a fairy and then there's like 10,000 people for her. she's like where did everyone come from oh my god and like even all throughout the entire time she's like I'm not going to make this this might be the last time kind of thing because the fire is starting to consume that, yeah though. exactly yeah, yeah. there's only so much that she she can do as as Ren without kind of absorbing and she knows that they're going to like it's it's her revela- her revelation of how she can like flip the two planes around as well is really really clever, but this idea of where she knows she's going to exist outside of of time and and space with everyone and she's it basically turns around to 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 Realm Breaker and just goes, 
but as long as I'm with you, and Robin goes, yeah, as long as I'm with you, buddy. Oh, yeah, it's really cool. It's really cute. It's also a really nice uh, in-depth look at what Phyrexianization and Phyrexis actually is, because if we take the, uh, the acorn that is Realmbreaker, the hymn that is Realmbreaker, mm. as, say, just that's the tree. So that is, so Realmbreaker is still a tree, even if it's a Phyrexian tree. And the oil that's trying to get to it is the Phyrexis. You could say the same thing about anyone else that's been affected with the oil. They still mm. do have the thing inside them, but the other voices, because there's like the seemingly Realmbreaker is fighting against Ren and is like hurting Ren, but that's not with, yeah. the tree. Mm. That's the Phyresis trying to like infect everything. Mm. When she finds that voice and she's trying to protect it. So it does make more sense, like how, you know, you can cure Phyresis and that actually maybe it's not the be all and end all. So it's a nice little like foreshadowing mm. to the planeswalkers having something of themselves in there. Um, but it's just it's yeah, and she and she calls Realm Breaker eight sometimes as well. Yeah, it's, that's really yeah, cute. She's, hey, eight, you yeah, know, it's quite cute. But then the card is is Ren and Realm Ren and Realm Breaker, which I think is probably fine. Yeah, isn't the story called Ren and Eight? I'm pretty sure. No. Am I being silly? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you are. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ren and Eight. Yeah, so I think that's the uh, the eight they want to go by. I mean, because because that's the big thing, right? Is there wasn't. Again, a lot of uh, explanation as to how does it work that you've got a Phyrexian world tree. And I think she does a really good job of getting into the nitty-gritty and going, I'm going to explain it. It's yeah. one of the things that we really liked about Tangles is that we got to kind of understand Thai magic from Teferi's point of view and then also from Ren's point of view. Yeah. And it's really interesting. And I'm pretty sure we said I said the exact same line during that, that conversation. It's, it's, a, it's really interesting to see different perspectives of magic told from the people doing the magic. Yes, yes, yes. Because obviously we don't know. So it's nice to... And, and do it in a way that's convincing enough that I'm like, oh, when did you go and meet a dryad? Yeah, yeah. When did you have a conversation with a dryad? This is very believable. Yeah, it's that's, very that's, cool. And it, again, it extends the metaphysical multiverse. Like, one of the things that the Phyrexians have done that's really cool is they made bloody Realmbreaker. Yeah. And it should, for all intents and purposes, be a stupid MacGuffin that doesn't make any sense. And all of the stupid MacGuffins that don't really make any sense all have been written in a way that makes sense. Yeah. They're believable. They add to the dimensions of the multiverse. I don't know what this big-ass things are now different threat that they told us. Remember they were like, this set's going to change the the the, the, the face well, of magic. So the tendrils of Realmbreaker have been were being removed, right? Were they? Is it is it ever explicit? Well that's it. So I think the the thing that's different is now now much like how Kaldheim, because that was the point of Kaldheim. Well the really. Kaldheim apparently is the world tree's burn. It's destroyed. Well yeah but they might have doom scars still. But, I mean, this is again. This is where aftermath is going to do a lot of yeah, fucking heavy. But I, lifting. I think that I think now there's going to be like a Doomscar style event with different planes. Right, so okay. like the the barriers between have now been so breached that it's just kind of one big. It's going to be like you know, it's going to be very Nyx. It's going to be very okay. because you know what was it? There was there was a thing with Theros where Ajani was like, "Oh, you're going after their gods." And that was only half the story. Well, yeah, because she wanted to basically... I think she wanted to shut down the devotion that Theros had towards... Well, she basically wanted Elspeth to hurt in all the ways. And yeah. it, we didn't get a payoff for Theros necessarily. Actually, it's a lie. Because as she came by, I think the idea is it was supposed to distract... Fuck, I've just realised. Was, was Elish Norm playing 4D chess? Did Elish know that Elspeth was somehow coming back and wanted Ajani on Theros, converting the gods to try and distract her enough? Because Daxos... 
speaks yeah, to her. Daxos is like the anchor to and, the and Daxos, and he, all he does, I think Elish, I don't think Elish even knew this was ever going to happen, but it's almost like Elish planned for Thera to be this massive distraction to almost get Elspeth not to not come to go back to New Frexia. Not to go back to the right very, point. Very possibly. I mean, yeah, it's, again, it's not explicit, but she does state to, you know, that to a journey like, this is, this is a greater purpose. I want to hurt yeah. her heart. So I, I think the big change, the big, like, A is going to be that maybe some of the planeswalkers are going to remain a little bit borgified. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're going to be more Key like... from Aftermath maybe shows that Lahiri doesn't have sword hands anymore. No, so very true. But like, How is that going to work? Who knows? But I, I think they're going to play around with the idea that the multiverse... Because we said this with War of the Spark. One of the things that came out of War of the Spark is Ravnica now explicitly knows that it's part of the multiverse. Yeah. It can't not. Oh, true. Every plane knows. So now knows. every plane knows. And they've all got this random metal just kicking about. Yeah. But yeah. I guess also the big question mark for me is glistening oil just suddenly rendered in a question mark? Uh, well, so yeah, because they did like a hive mind thing for the Frexians. Yeah, and now because Elish Norn isn't does isn't at the top of the thing, it's because that was on. her hubris is that she made Frexia not all one. She no, made it all bound, her. bound to herself. So she was she, the one. She was yeah. the one. Yeah. So that was kind of a nice thing. I know some people were annoyed by that, but I I kind of got it. I mean, yeah. you had to eventually. Otherwise, to. the Frexians are just around everywhere. Be there forever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah, um, like... So I think I think that's going to be different ones. So. There's a few kind of individual planes to touch on then to talk about things. I think we'll save talking about Zalfir maybe in a minute because I want to talk to you about what Zalfir actually is now. Mm. If we talk about maybe... So Nuke Penner, the Angels now all over the place. That's another thing that's different. Park the Heights was dropped on Atraxa. Takes... Atraxa is it? We got loads of... We got lots of things about Atraxa's backstory that yeah, we didn't quite know. Atraxa like, was really explicitly, she was an angel. Mm. Where was she from? Yeah, because that's the thing. Mirrodin, none of the denizens of Mirrodin are from Mirrodin because Memnuk brought them all yeah. through the soul traps. So which plane was she from before? Yeah. Was she potentially a... Com- is this why she had su- is this why she had such an aversion to it? And yeah, okay, we don't see her body, but it quite specifically says we've no, dropped fun, we've yeah. dropped a bloody building on her. Like the river the entire- tears, go my river yeah. tears. The they were the only ones that were doing anything. It's funny because there's a thing on the internet where it's like uh, we know, now we know why the tracks are only a seven seven because uh, walking skyscrapers in eight eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just like really yay, accidental flame. Um, so Capenna's obviously doing that shit. The maestros were the ones that obviously got, God, the they got done. Those. I also didn't realize that Parnas was um, Anejo's daughter? Uh, no. Or Paddy's, or was it Errant? Uh, Errant's... Uh, Errant is, is Anejo's Anejo. daughter, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Paddy's is Anello, uh, is, um, Errant's wife. They get married. Yeah, yeah, they get married. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, daughter-in-law. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so there's, so yeah, that, there's doing a that relation thing. there. The angels are fully back. The demons are now back, and they said there's a price to pay, so I think the next time we go to Capenna, we're going to have a lot more demons running around. Doing I feel shit. like Capenna's now really high up on my list of interesting planes, because it's no longer just really big glitzy city, let's do an art deco, they very much had a let's do an art deco plane, call it, just make it around one city. What's the backstory and stuff? Uh, we'll, we'll figure it out, yeah, something yeah. about Phyrexia, blah, 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 and then it actually ends up being really important, so let's go back, let's see yeah. how everything's settled down. Kaldheim, the world tree's been burned, but there was, I think, the relationship between Tyvar and his brother Harald, the black-green elves that are the kind of ostracised race in mm. Kaldheim, they and are like, they sort of feel like they're the true rulers of Kaldheim because they have the old pantheon of gods in that story. We didn't see anything of the gods in that story, in Kaldheim, like the... True, we see, what, Essica, we see Essica on a card, that's about it. That's about it, yeah, the gods are kind of like sitting that one out. But they do a really great thing of having all the different peoples of Kaldheim who are very used to kind of crashing into each other's mm. realms, right? All uniting. And there's that line from Harold where he's like, you know, uh, the the uh, oath, the omen 
Breaker, the Omen Path Breaker shit people, I can never remember what they called them, come in and go, well, the elves join the fight. And he goes, we'll lead the fight. Yeah. Very black green, very like, you know, we're the, we're the best, fuck you, but also very elvish. Like, mm. So they're leading the fight, and then Harold makes this big speech where it's like, we might be enemies tomorrow, but like... We need no, no, to no, no, we might. We will be we enemies. We will be enemies tomorrow, <laughs> but today we'll be fighting um, brothers and sisters in arms, and uh, if Kaldheim is to die, it will die a warrior's death, and we will make sure that we are fighting. And it's just yeah. like, fuck yes! It feels I very boasty, doesn't Kaldheim. it? Really well, then, good. like, Tyvar and uh, Harold, even through the battle, are like, you know, every time they're killing off Phyrexian... You know, uh, is it is it Coma who gets Phyrexian eyes? They well, they don't. They don't. Right. So this is. I think it's misleading. <coughs> and they need to be careful here because they say about how they they mention Coma and just underneath it it says the serpent. Yeah, I yeah. Don't That's think why I didn't think it's explicit. not because also what does Coma make? Serpents. Serpent. So, so it might have been a serpent I don't. Th- I think they would have been a bit mentioned it greater. I don't know. I don't think they could have beat a Phyrexianized Coma. No, because that's like yeah, cosmic serpent. But anyway, yeah. like Tyvar kills a serpent, and he's like giving like jokes about it. There's a bit where we come back to um, Kaldheim and Tyvar's uh, Harold's counting the the seconds that Tyvar's been underwater because he loves his brother. Yeah, and it's so refreshing to have two brothers who really like each other after after so much magic stories about how brothers hate each other, to see these two boastful black characters mm. who really are both insufferable pricks and being elves on a plane where elves are explicitly insufferable pricks, mm. to just have a genuine love for each other. Like, Harold's the king. Tyvar is the prince. So Harold is the one in charge, but yeah. he never begrudges Tyvar for being really better than him. No, and he even asks, it's like, oh, well, does your magic help here? And yeah, Tyvar like, he's, goes, he's absolutely... No. Yeah, he's actually I'm like, sorry, mate. You're being a planeswalker doesn't actually help here, yeah, mate. If, I anything, love... if anything, I know how much worse it is because of it. Yeah, I just love the fact that like Harold doesn't resent Tyvar for being a planeswalker, which mm. in so many other stories they could default to. Anyway, I love that story. On a lot of the card, we see unfortunately some of the cosmic animals being like, Tosky, definitely. Sarulf looks definitely. Yeah, which is a bit of a shame. But yeah, I can't wait to go back to Kaldheim because that would yeah. be awesome. Uh, then yeah, let's talk about obviously Kamigawa's all a bit fucked up, but they seem what they were doing. Man, yeah, fucking what's it called? Uh, the the big tree, fuck. Beseju, Beseju ruptures and torrents of glistening oil. Like they make as much as they do use the same language over and over and over again for how the realm breakers entering the plane. Each time it does feel as bad as the last time. Because it's just a big spear of metal. Yeah. Just and also like the thing, the big thing for me for this was that. This isn't this the the invasion happens from our point of view all at once from the plane side. Yeah. As, as soon as Realm Breaker starts being born, yeah, they start having symbols of Phyrexia. The Phyrexian symbol starts being like, oh, I spilled my coffee and it pulled in this weird yeah, symbol. Yeah. Like we see, um, you'll 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 read this that we see in a, a side story. Chelaine kind of sees it coming from a long time ago, and no one listens. So it's almost like. There's That's all these. Cool. There's this imprint of Phyrexia before Realm Breaker even makes it there. That ominousness, that kind of that feeling of of, of it didn't feel like it was like a crash and bang. It felt like a, an inception. Yeah. Of of into the metaphysical part of the plane. You're like Phyrexia is merging with you. Like it, I, I struggle to really understand to begin with how how Realm Breaker was really doing it. Instead of thinking like, oh, it's shooting tendrils out and it's crossing the blind eternity. Now imagine that it's pushing. The, 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 the edges of the planes together yeah. and then punching well, a hole that's through that's how, that's how uh, Ren describes it when we'll talk about Zalfir in a second but when they do the big switcheroo of Zalfir and New mm. Frexia it's like well what if we like what if we rearranged the realms like in, a, in such a way that we can then like swap them over it's not just like trying to transport transport they are actually moving around realm magic so it's very much that science fiction-y they always do it in science fiction they do it in um, Event Horizon Sam Neill's character to explain 
like jumping through time and space yeah, gets yeah. a bit of Fold paper, the folds folds paper over, punches yeah. a pencil through it and then that hole is what you go through. So you're not actually travelling distances, you're pushing distances together. Yeah. So that's kind of what they're talking about there. So obviously they've got to deal with that. I kind of feel like Kamigawa, this could be just like completely naive, they seem like, although the Seiju's gone and the Kamigawa are all they'll fucked up, I kind of think they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Um, Theros is the one which I'm just like, yeah. Fuck. Cause, because... Even, that's the one where even if Phyrexians are gone, if people still believe in Phyrexia, mm. well, the, the way, gods can still be Phyrexian. Yeah, the way I looked at it is they, the, what they did is instead of making the people of, of Theros into Phyrexians, is they somehow made the Phyrexians believe in religion. Yeah. That was what was interesting. And I guess that's that's something that we'll have to look at. Yeah, they'll maybe look at and have to treat sensitively because they've kind of... How can you Phyrexianize a god? Yeah. And then how do you go back from that? Yeah. You know? And also, how did Helion... Like, I know, I think they did explain it, but it didn't seem... It wasn't explained enough for, like... I don't know why they had to get Helion back instead of it just being any other of the existing yeah. gods. Because this idea, I think I think probably it's that they needed to replace one initially for the rest of them to fall. Because I think the other one, others would have maybe been too strong in their Well, you in see, we aspects. see Thassa in the story. It's Thassa's temple and Thassa's kicking ass. Yeah. So, like, that makes us go, ooh, these gods are pretty interesting. In the card art, we see a Farah kicking ass. Farah, yeah. She looks badass. Still got her fucking urn. Yeah. <laughs> you, you are. And she's fucking, like, kicking ass everywhere. So, I kind of... It was just very... I, I think... Because in the card set, they've played very fast and loose. And they even said they would with characters that are either dead or not necessarily part of the timeline. Mm. They just wanted to have fun with like what would they do in a battle, right? Yeah. That's all the team-up cards are. All right, we'll wishy-washy some of that away, which is kind of interesting. And I kind of feel like they did that with Heliod, where they're like, who's the big bad god? It's Heliod. People mm. want him to be the one of Phyrexian eyes. Yeah, it, sure. Like... And he wasn't actually technically dead, right? He was just trapped in the underworld. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it kind of makes sense, yeah. Also, I don't like the fact they did... Um, Kai just kind of kills him in a throwaway paragraph. Theros, yeah. of, all the, of all the planes, you again, you've read side stories, doesn't get a side story. That was all you get of Theros. Yeah. And it's kind of like, for this big lead up, and also we didn't get, we still haven't had like, we never got a point of view of a journey aftermath. We'll probably go through it. I'm sure, whatever. We'll wait until aftermath's done, to, I guess, to have any real like critique over what was missing from this story. Because the things that are missing, I imagine they're aware of and they're going to put in aftermath. Because I think overall it feels like they knew all of the different things they had to fit into it and they've done most of it and the things that haven't managed to fit, they've gone cool, we couldn't fit everything in. So we're doing this crazy thing. We're trying this new thing, guys. Yeah. It's called uh, Aftermath, and it's like an extra separate block. It's like, you, you, you needed two blocks. You needed two sets, didn't you? And you don't want to admit it, <laughs> yeah. but you needed two sets for this. Two sets uh, block structure is the best. It's the best, yeah, isn't it? So you kind of felt like you realised that you need to do a second. Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. Well, well done with sets, it. Guys. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> We're trying this whole new thing, guys. It's like, it's the same set, but you had to split into two, right? It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no. No, no, we Such were going to do a fourth. Right, exactly. Right. So good. The multiverse, I'm sure, eventually we'll get like whenever we go back to planes, they'll talk of like, uh, oh, do you remember when the Frexians mm. did this? And there'll be like cards that are affected. Yeah, we've got sieges coming out that we're seeing. So we're seeing a bunch of other planes that just weren't mentioned in the stories and how they would attack like it, on like Ogrotha, yeah. Segovia, like it's loads of really cute little things like that. So clearly, we didn't see the full scope. We just got the these yeah. are the important planes. We can't literally do the entire multiverse. Oh, Kaladesh is another one that gets touched on in the story. Yeah, I think that was. I think that's the point where most people went like, okay, at this point we're doing too much whiplash of seeing how all the different yeah. planes are doing things. Because Pierre and Pia, Nala were kind yeah. of doing their thing there. Because the problem also is that these these stories were coming out alongside the side stories, and the side stories were literally let's look at this plane and how it's yeah, dealing yeah, with, the, yeah. with the invasion. So it kind of did get a little bit full on when you were reading them all concurrently because it did feel like everything was being thrown at you at once. Yeah. Which again, was kind of the point. Sure. Phyrexia was invading everywhere at once. Yeah, I must admit, I wasn't too fussed about Kaladesh. I, I like going back there and obviously the the kind of 
it, it go, just goes to show how fucking silly they are for making the ether flux reservoir just this big glass ball of their entire yeah. energy supply just kind of suspended I'm in the sure sky. it's somehow going to have survived <laughs> as well even though it's like all of the Phyrexians are gunning towards it I'm like Realmbreaker can literally break through anywhere and anything we've seen pictures of it going through entire buildings just bust it yeah exactly bust it open I like that. That's I mean, what you get for your hubris for fucking putting all being greedy and putting it all in this little bulb thing. Yeah. I kind of feel like they touched on Kaladesh, obviously because Sahili was a big part of the lead up to this, so that's mm. her plane. But also, also to give Chandra a bit of thing, but she already had that with Nissa. Yeah. Maybe a bit. There more. was a little bit of a twee bit where Pierre goes, all she could think was like that. Chandra must have done something somewhere, and it's like, thank you, Chandra. It's like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it's like was... it's like your daughter's dead. You don't even know she could be dead for all you know. She's been phyrexian She's been dead for weeks. I mean, she isn't. But how yeah, dare you? How, how, how dare you, you assume it was Chandra that did this? Yeah, a little bit. How dare you know? Just don't wink at the. I think if camera. I was to cut anything for blow, I think I'd cut the the Kaladesh bits. Yeah, so let's just go back there proper. Um, but let's talk about Zalfir. So I guess that'll be yeah. the last big thing to talk about. Yeah, I think it's more interesting from, we knew, we've known kind of since Tangled, let's say. Yeah, we knew it was coming back. It was coming back. Did it feel like the last big, but it did, I mean, it was the expected last big push. It's when you're sat there in the cinema and you're going, oh, so the only way that the enemy can die now is if some random bullshit happens and then, oh, there we are. There we I mean, go. There's the this, army coming up. It's the Helm's Deep moment. Well, this is the, this is very much the end game moment mm. with, uh, on your left. with an, uh, like African uh, coded magical nation coming through a portal to save the day. Yeah, it's exactly that it's you know Wakanda. Black Panther moment yeah. from Endgame. <laughs> I don't. Exactly. I don't want to be like you know. Maybe that's. I'm gonna throw my hands up there and maybe maybe that's like European white guy eyes. I'm seeing that through. But... I don't. I think the parallel's pretty bloody obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And do you know what? I fucking loved it. Yeah. Because there's they've done South here so well because they didn't get lost in the mire of they could have very easily gone down the route of as soon as the ferry ended up there. The whole story just being about them kicking the shit out of Ferry. Mm. They did one little interaction where people were like, oh, it's fucking you. And then the rest of the time they went, what's done is done. Can we just get on with it now? Yeah. It's like, yes, just keep the fucking story going. We already know that Teferi feels like yeah. shit. Let's just get them back. You Let's know. push, push, push. And, also, and they fucking kick ass. Yeah. They kick ass. And they always also justify the whole, oh, I guess they came in at the exact right moment. It's like, they were stuck outside of yeah. time. They were always going to be here at the exact yeah, right moment. They have, they can't not. They only, they can choose when they come back. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. So they're going to come back. Like it's the, both both things. Elspeth coming back, and then as Alpha coming back, both they just kind of went. Yes, but they can kind of control when. I'm like, all right. Covering, I, I like covering it. your ass there a little bit, aren't I you? That's a hey. These kids on Reddit, they can't, they can't, they can't pick holes in my story. <laughs> yeah. It's narrative relevant. Fuck exactly. <laughs> oh, I set this up. It's Chekhov's gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. So yeah, they they come back in. They're doing their thing. They're totally prepared. They are, they are sort of they've been preparing for Phyrexians the entire time. Just not these ones, but you know, you sort of think you know, protect potato. Yeah, exactly. This metal and this metal kill, kill the metal stuff, and yeah. they've got kind of cool magicy stuffs as well. All wizards and mages. And yeah. Shit. yeah. It's, it's also very much is they are they make a point for like two and a half stories of pushing like just how back against the wall everyone is like mm. I, again I still ask this question of how the hell is Costin like how the, every time it's like there's only a handful of mirrors and then two stories later the handful of mirrors that are left I'm like how many hands how yeah. many how big is how big are your Vidalcan hands yeah, yeah, yeah. like how can you how dare you tell me there is still mirror resistance like the last picture he had of Koth was in a Phyrexian arena how did you get out of there Koth how did you get out? And then when did you go back in again? And then you got out and then you went back in again? Because he's got big hands, spiky hair, and he's yeah, sexy as hell. Yeah, and he yeah. can do what he wants because he's cough. He's cough with the hammer, bitch. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, there was literally a moment in the in, when uh, in the epilogue, shall we call it, of where he's like thinking about everyone that he's lost. Because Mel- Melira survives right up until the end, but doesn't quite. And obviously she's the healer. And healers, 
typically can't heal yeah, themselves. They can't heal themselves. And then when a healer's dying, no other healer can heal them either. Um, so she gives up kind of that last of her energy to purify um, Ajani's and Nissa's bodies, whilst Khan uses Vents as spark to purify their sparks. And then you know that time-honored tradition in yeah. Magic: The Gathering. Um, the card, the card for 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 mum for for them getting killed is negate. Now, if that isn't flavor fail, I'm gonna flavor fail this for before our flavor picks. Before, like even now, like don't reprint a card like that's been reprinted a million times with bad flavor. Yeah. Because you anyway. So yeah, again, I, it's good to have them back because it means we're gonna get. I didn't care about Ajani so much. We got Gruul friends back. That's kind of yeah, really right. important. Yeah, right. We haven't spoken about, so we'll touch on that. Maybe that will be Sorry, the last yes, thing. That is the last one thing. thing I want to ask you about Zalfir. The yeah. only because so to Ferry, to Ferry's arc. This arc is coming to an end. They'll have to think of something for where he goes from now. Maybe he, maybe we get him and Ren again in the future because he does he plant, plant the, the acorn, acorn, and that's a really lovely scene. Yeah. He says he starts, he starts weeping, and then by the time he's finished, it's night time. I'm like. Yeah, that's he doesn't a man rush who's back off to the party. Shit, man. Yeah. It's a real breathe out moment for him. Really, Fucking really. Is. This is moment. That's, that is his, yeah, exactly, the exhalation. Everything that's come up. He's sat in Zalfir, yeah. part of the multiverse again. With all he's the, been re-accepted. Yeah, Frech has been defeated. Everyone's around him. Yes, he accepts the losses of, of the friends that he had along the way. Like, he even said, I think, to Ren, it was just like, I just didn't, I wasn't ready to say goodbye to another friend. Yeah. Considering everything else that's happened, like still the individuals really matter to him. And also, something about his characterization is that all the way throughout the story, he is... He is like this is his his arc completely realized with things like Khan says, "Can I ask you one more favor?" And he says, "Yes." What can I do for you, my friend? Mm. At no point is he like, "This is my plan. I'm going to do what the fuck I want." He's completely in service to others and just doing the best that he can to survive and help yeah. other people. And you're like, "Yes, yes, the fairy. You are clearly the most powerful one, but you don't have the hubris of thinking you can solve everything." Like yeah. that's so cool. It's very opposite to Nahiri's point of view of "I'm big, strong. I can do stuff." Thing. Yeah. yeah. Now, here's my question. Here's the mm. big question I've been sandbagging. Zalfir was not a plane. It was a continent on Dominaria. Yeah, I'm literally looking up right now how big it is. <laughs> like, is it, it now its own plane? So, the uh, the, the way that this yes, okay, is the, the short answer. All right, moving on. <laughs> so the 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 way this works is Argentum, then Miradin, Miradin, then New Phyrexia was was a small plane. Yeah. In comparison to any, because it was created from the Murari, um, or created by Khan using the Murari and everything. So it is, in and of itself, a small plane. And yeah. the interesting thing is they did the blip in, blip out so well that the five sons of Mirrodin are now the five sons of Zalfir. Mm-hmm. In addition to whatever other son it happened to take with it while it was... So question, mm-hmm. <laughs> reverse question. When Zalfir was blipped out, what the hell happened to its sky? Did it just take part of the Dominarian sky with <laughs> it? Own, yeah. Uh, how did they have sun? Yeah, and like, how deep does the ground go? What, is it just like Asgard? And in which case, what, how, what, which sun did they have? Did they take I, one of Dominarian's suns? No, I think... It's interesting, now they've got the five suns, and will that change the way that Zalfir as a plane works? Now it's got the five suns of, of, of Mirrodin. <laughs> Everyone's like, I just want to go to sleep. They start going fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, did we see in one of the cards... This Sorry, this is another question. In one of the cards we see Tolvada... Kaya's playing. You do. Oh, we'll get to that. We'll in get the next to that. That's, that's, that's after that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that yeah, just yeah. came into my yeah, head. We're not there like, yet. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Lots of questions, but yes. All right. So Zalfir is now its own plane. It's probably earned it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we'll have a Zalfir set no. for a while. The Mirrens are now on Zalfir, but they'll probably when we go back, there'll be Mirren Zalf- Zalfirans. Yeah, exactly. Mirren Zalfir. Yeah. Mil Zalfians. Zalfirians. Yeah. 
Good. Cool. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's talk Chandranissa before we wrap up. Glad to happy. Feel, does it feel a little bit forced? Maybe was it was their their scenes together? Some of the writing of Chandra, like when she's talking about how the voice, like, is it the same voice that she's heard at the end of the night? It's the same twitch of the ears, the same little mouth, and it's like, oh god, the, 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 yeah. it's when it's when I think Chandra has like, don't speak in her voice. It's like, but this is my voice. Yeah, it's like, Ugh! and she's not wrong. <laughs> it's so true. It's uh, so true. I mean, a total a total salve to all the damage that's been done, not just to those characters, but yeah. so much of Magic Story since War of the Spark. Their their heteronormative sort of whitewashing, if you like, was definitely the thing that rankled people the most out of those mm-hmm. stories. And all the things to do with, you know, corporate handling, maybe kowtowing to certain markets, like who don't aren't hot on LGBTQ plus rights, kowtowing to the Netflix series, yeah. all this kind of stuff is completely been this this is if not the definitely a big hand from Watsy to be like, we really meant it when we said that we are gonna basically double back on all that bullshit. Yeah. And so cool. Yeah. And to put it in the hands of Chaos and Rivera, who's a big Magic the Gathering player fan and mm. uh, player fan, who's, you know it's probably just the best person to handle this kind of story, I think. Yeah, I guess you have to take a little bit of the the corporate decision was probably made just to save face and save them. At the end of the day, they wouldn't have made the decision if they didn't think it was going to make them money. Let's not. They let's, are a company. This is a story yeah. to make toys. Fine. Yeah, exactly. Let's not put, uh, beat around the bush of the fact that they didn't release the uh, Pride Across the Multiverse to the countries that would have had an issue with it. No, I would. I think I would just say. I think I tweeted but, this out that if we look back when we started this podcast which is around War of the Spark time and I think our first set review was El Drain which was the first set after War of the yeah. Spark with the ebook, for example to where it is now so much better it's the landscape is incredibly different and for the better sure maybe the Magic the Gathering community goes a little bit too hard into the arse worshipping every single dummy thick character that comes along but <laughs> I'd rather have all the you know Stands and cosplayers and like slash fiction writers. I don't even know if I'm using that term right. Is slash fiction, right? Slash fiction, slash fiction, slash fiction. What's it? I'll cut this if it turns out <laughs> correct. Hey, uh, slash cut. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> but like you know, the Vorthos landscape as a whole is so much more a part of the game. And I think although there's so much wrong with the game and how it's being handled from a corporate money making perspective, mm-hmm. what you can't fault is the narrative and the creative teams are really in tune with. Guess who plays these games? Fucking not corporate assholes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're like keeping the game honest. Yeah. Even if it is obviously still like pushing, you know, an agenda. But I mean, whatever. The fact that we've still got Sahili and Hartley together, Ral and Tomic are still together. Spoiler for you, side story, the, the Vraska and Jace back probably back together. <laughs> like that's <laughs> in some fashion. Is it like they've they've gone back on all of the things people have gone, stop killing off our romances, put the romances back in and they've gone, Cool. Yeah. We've done that. Yeah. Because I don't know any other romances that are that have that have been in the game recently that aren't still now present in the game and they're just willing to let the ship the characters and also, and also you know a diversity of romances as well like you know it's just it, mm-hmm. yeah and allowing them to be the things that they are because yeah. you know we're the people who play these games if we put on the idea that like Nisha and Chandra are definitely girl friends and you know we're invested in that relationship to then be like you can't take no, that away actually from us, like yeah. yeah like it's just if it doesn't ma- like <laughs> the, the the people will play Magic the Gathering whether or not the story is top notch because that got proven for years yeah. so if it doesn't fucking cost you anything to make yeah. the story good stop putting in fucking sentences like decidedly male yeah, yeah. you know stop doing that so yeah I'm glad that they've kind of gone back on it and again we as much as 
we say this all, all the time when it comes to these stories. These stories aren't for the action. The action's for when we're playing the game. The playing yeah. the game is that's us doing the action. We're kind of in the story to get all of the other bits, the narrative that we can't make up on when we're playing yeah, a game yeah, of yeah. magic. I can I can attack with a goblin against a fucking Phyrexian gargantua. I know what happens in that kind of exchange. I can make that more interesting in my mind than you can write down and describe. I don't care about the swords and the guns and the stuff. What I care about is the interactions and the development of the characters yeah. and seeing how this world is being perceived and developed by these these very flawed and and impressively well-rounded characters. Yeah. I think so so many of our favorite stories are the ones where it's the smaller moments, the conversations. And when the big action scenes need to happen, they need to happen. Yeah. And as long as they keep the pace up and they go cool, action 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 action, mm-hmm. let's get to the plot points because the plot points are the things that matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All in all, this 10 uh 10 episode story arc has been a fucking triumph the Phyrexian arc isn't fully over yet not yet but as a crescendo to it all this has been what War of the Spark always should have been mm-hmm. this has been everything that this is everything that this did right was everything that you know Dominaria United should have been doing like maybe at the start of this arc and is a, for my mind is complete triumph yes there are some pitfalls yes there's a little bit of bloat yes some of the cards don't make sense of the story mm. but that's Magic the Gathering story versus Magic Gathering card game yeah I, I love this. I think Carlson, Chaos and Rivera is exactly the right person to do it. There are many other worthy writers that could have done it, but if you were looking at your like Miguel Lopez's or whatever, they would have made this even longer. <laughs> yeah, It was long enough, and it was uh, succinct enough, and I can't wait to see how the Capellan Angels, the Realm Breakers, mm-hmm. and Phyrexianization going forward changed the landscape of multiverse. Yeah. I think it's going to be... I think the ongoing story is the interesting thing, right? I think the, the problem that this this 10-story arc was always going to have was it's very hard to make a satisfying ending to anything, yeah. especially when it's not technically an ending. The story never really ends. It always continues. Yeah. But there needed to be a... Somehow the Phyrexians were defeated. Yeah. I don't think there was a way to do that in a more satisfying... Like, in terms of the grand scheme of how they managed to do it, really clever. Blipping in, blipping out. thought it was really good, really satisfying. In terms of the individual characters, I mean, we kind of... After they'd had, you know, Dominaria United, I feel like everything else was kind of like, yeah, they're just, it's just it's just bad people. Yeah. It's bad guys. It doesn't matter necessarily what their agenda is. We've kind of got it by now. It doesn't matter if they've got, you know... Again, there are so many people out there who'll be angry. They haven't, you know, you did my boy or a brass wrong. It's like, well, yeah, but you also supported... A, a Phyrexian Praetor. You yeah. don't necessarily get a satisfying ending to your character arc. Yeah. You know, they took away Tamio from me. Did Am I happy that at least I've got a story version of her? Yeah, because her voice can at least continue. Yeah. You know, the question marks will be things like, where was Garrick? Where are the Kenriths? Where are the Kenriths? All these questions, which I hope we do get some justification to. There's a few others, like Sorin only got a touch of a mention in a, in a, in a side story, in, in a side story, sorry, like literally just a solemn guy with white hair. That's how he was mentioned. That was it. Yeah. So, I mean, again, we oh, we get to see, I guess, Aftermath proves that we get to see the feud between him and uh, Nahiri continue. Oh, yeah. yeah can't, can't wait for that next episode, the next episode of Sorry versus Nahiri. Smash I, well, I think she should have, she would have had a better chance if she had both two sword hands. Don't yeah, you? exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, look at my stakes, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good. Um, cool. All right. Good episode. It was, yeah. Yeah, really, really, really good bunch of stories. Uh, well, I wouldn't mind, after you've read the five side stories, to see if there's any of them that you might want to do it as an overview of all of them because you get to see five different planes way of battling. You might yeah. want to do an individual one that you're like, okay, this particular character was really cool. There are two that I think that are very, very good. 
Um, I'm not, that's not not to shit on the other three, but there are two that stand out in my mind immediately as soon as I think of them. So Alison I think, learns. yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I think that's a good one to come back to because we did a big spotlight on the excellent stories anyway, and I feel did. like it's kind of a bookend for us. Yeah. And again, I think we'll get a little bit more in aftermath anyway, but I think it might be worth having a little look at that. Considering we'll probably do a flavor picks episode. I mean, obviously, we probably we absolutely will. Yeah. And I feel like maybe there's enough that's been going on with the story that there's probably more we can have a little look at if that's kind of where we want to be because there's still so much other stuff spoilers going on that I might I just we can't keep up with the secret layers and the and the product release so let's talk about the things that matter there's a lot more story to be talking about I don't know if I've already mentioned this on this podcast I think I might have done but um uh friend of the podcast Michelle Rapp uh tweets out saying that their take on the product fatigue thing although it is exhausting is that magic has now turned into like a like a sushi bar like the conveyor belt keeps going you can snack. and you can just snack on the things that you want to and leave yeah. the things that you don't so i kind of like that analogy like it's sad because no i don't i won't be able to collect every card ever mm. and no i probably won't buy every product ever but the ones that i do care about and then other people can care about other shit but we're all playing the same game so Sometimes it's nice. Like I know some for other people, it's not quite the same. But playing the game as a player, I do like the fact that someone will have a deck that might not have any of the same cards. If I'm playing EDH that yeah. I do, I might not have even seen half of them. That's kind of exciting. Play diversity is really interesting. Story diversity is really interesting. Collectability, ooh, but it's a trading card game, not a collecting card game, right? Yeah. <laughs> playing, what does it say on the back? Deck master. <laughs> Good. Well, that's that's ambiguous. Well, do you know what? Like, that's a little insight to how fucking obsessed with Magic the Gathering we are. We're literally sat next to a table full of Magic the Gathering cards. Yeah. yeah. Don't build three colour commander decks. It's fucking impossible. You just end up with a pile of 200 cards and then you're like, I don't even want to build, de- build, I don't want to build it anymore. Just build it, Shin. No. You know, he sat right there on top of the pile. Yeah, you don't want to build no. him again. He was already, you know, I don't, I don't know, because he's like, where, where was it? He's like fucking like number twelve or something. I can't, I can't do this anymore. I remember when you used to play your uh, Merin of Clan Nil Toth decks. Hey, you don't judge me. There. You played, you played Azuri out of the box. He's ranked nine. I can't play a top ten commander. I'll never live it down. What's the other one? Uh, Mind Razor. What's Prash, his name? Nakuza. Nakuza. <laughs> Prash. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, we're getting off topic. That'll, that'll be our little wrap up. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. This has been Magic Flavor. We'll see you soon.